This episode of the Talking 306 podcast is sponsored by Zesty Kits. Dinner time can be stressful, time-consuming, and overwhelmingly difficult, but Zesty Kits is changing that. Saskatchewan now has its own locally sourced meal kit service to make cooking at home easy, healthy, and local. Zesty Kits makes cooking easy by delivering all the pre-measured ingredients you need to easily prepare delicious meals at home. Try Zesty Kits now to get a free cookie kit and $20 off your first week of subscription with the promo code KITS306 at ZestyKits.com. This episode is also sponsored by Krugo. Krugo is a mobile app that helps friends plan unforgettable travel experiences. Do you want to go to a basketball game, see Hamilton in theater, and also go and see Dave Matthews' band? Well, Krugo helps you plan trips just like that. You can plan, book, and pay for trips all in Krugo without using 10 different websites to do it. Krugo, that's K-R-U-G-O, and you can download Krugo today in the App Store. Welcome to the Talking 306 Podcast, an original Saskatchewan podcast hosted by me, Dale Richardson. On this episode of the Talking 306 Podcast, my guest is Adam Hunter. Adam Hunter is the Provincial Affairs Reporter for CBC Saskatchewan, where he covers the Saskatchewan legislature and politics. I sat down recently with Adam at the CBC in Regina to discuss his life and career including his love for basketball and the NBA, his university studies and why he chose the journalism path, the role of Twitter in the life of a journalist, and our shared love of podcasts and the podcasts that he hosts for the CBC. My name is Dale Richardson, and I'm the host of the Talking 306 podcast, and this is my conversation with Adam Hunter. So we're doing this, and trade deadline is for the NBA is happening, and Adam Adam cannot put down his phone. So it's it's going to be hard. I'm a basketball junkie, so um, so yeah, my eyes have been on my phone most of the day here. So so this may be a little bit dated by the time that we do it, but um, yeah, today today is trade trade deadline day in the NBA, and a couple couple good ones so far. Raptors made made some moves. Big Raptor move. Yeah, I love it. I think that uh, the Raptors are lucky that they have arguably one of the best general managers and front offices in the NBA. Toronto's not a free agent destination, so they have to build through being super creative, drafting well, and getting Marcus All, who was instantly their second best player, even though he's like 33. Yeah. Uh, has two years left on his deal. I'm going to get super technical on everyone here. Almost their entire team expires after two years. They're all around the same age. So there's a chance they could just blow it up and build again in two years. They're not locking themselves into these long deals. It's really smart. They're instantly super tough. And I think it's going to be so fun. The East is awesome. I'm a Celtics fan, actually, but I also like the Raptors. Um, So I just love that. The NBA off-court has become more interesting than the on-court. Yeah, it's great. 
which is something yeah. that other other sports haven't been able to manufacture. Yeah, the NFL is just they've they just can't do it because of the politics, obviously, with you know with the president and the personality of the NBA. Like, there's a couple things the NBA done that that applies to a lot of different things, not just sports. They made their content open, so right. tomorrow you could become yeah. a basketball analyst with a Twitter account. Yeah, and break down plays. Yeah, and the NBA will never come for your content. The NHL doesn't do this. Major League Baseball doesn't do this. Well, they, they do quite the opposite. Well, they signed the great deal with um, with Bleacher Report, and then I think Bleacher Report bought House of Highlights, and that it it's totally blown up how people consume the NBA. Like I don't, I don't know if I've watched a full game in the last two years because I have League Pass, but. There's so much stuff on Instagram now that was, oh, you know, oh, there's the highlight that I wanted to see. You don't actually need to watch a game to follow exactly what's happening because yeah. you can see that play right after instantly and it makes the fans much more engaged with the product. And I think this applies to everywhere. Open your content up, make it available. People will talk about it. It generates discussion, controversy, everything else. It's, it's actually brilliant on the NBAs. They saw the bigger picture. They knew that they could get more money if they'd restricted it like Major League Baseball. Yeah. And one sport's dying out, and the other one's thriving. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see any baseball highlights ever, and uh, that's fine with me, I guess. <laughs> so, okay. So, take take me back a bit. Um, basketball is 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 a big part of your life still, and I and I know it was growing up. And do you, do you still play hoops? Do, I'm washed. Do, do you, I'm super washed, Dale. Um, okay. I, I could play a little bit, but. Like, I, like senior men's? Do, do I quit play playing Sundays senior men's a few what? years ago. Oh. I, I realized that Some it injuries. wasn't worth my while to risk tearing my ACL or rupturing my Achilles Yeah. Uh, at about 8 a.m. in a church gym yeah. with a bunch of washed up 36-year-olds mm-hmm. and refs who didn't want to be there. So yeah. I, I hung them up. I do like to play still. Uh, yeah, basketball's huge, huge in my family. We're recording this on the weekend of the Luther Invitational Tournament, which is a oh, big yeah. part of my family. Right. And my brother Drew is a, it was a coach there for a long time, and I coached there with him and my younger brother later. Um, Wait, it, they they coached at Luther? All of us did, yeah. Oh, you did too. Yes. Okay, I didn't so, know that. So uh, Drew is a teacher there, and he's been there for I think now almost like sixteen years, maybe. Your brother. And so my older brother, and so he we coached together for quite a few years. I think I coached for about thirteen years there, junior and senior. Great. Uh, off and on, and my younger brother, once he was done playing Cougars, Joel, he, yeah. he helped us out there. And then the LIT starts this weekend. Uh, my brother's not coaching, but he's still involved. He does all the art and for the gym and the decorations and stuff like that. Well, Drew, Drew's the he's a coach with the Cougars now. Joel, right? this it's is Joel. very confusing. Yeah. So, okay. So, so I'll you, tell everyone a trick about my family. Yeah. You just calls Hunter or Hunter, mm-hmm. and you'll get us. Yeah. So somebody just, will turn their head and say yes. There's confusion mm-hmm. over who's who, who's older than the other one. I'm the middle. Joel's the youngest. Joel helps out Steve Burroughs with the Cougars. Okay. And both my brothers are former Cougars. Right. The next question you're going to ask What happened me, to you? What, the, the what talent happened? skipped a brother. Oh. I got the good looks oh. and the mm. charm. Okay. So uh, you can ask my wife. So <laughs> they're, uh, but the Cougars also have playoffs uh, this weekend as well, yeah. the men's team. So yeah. uh, Joel's helping out there. I do the play-by-play for Canada West, uh, the basketball games here. Which is why we can years. do this Friday night. Yes. So... Um, also, my social life is very busy, Dale. Yeah, so, of course, uh, yeah. No, I so, follow. Yeah, based on your Instagram, I don't. I don't think it is. No, it's true. It's true. It is. That's a shot, but it's okay. I'm. I'm a dad. Boring. Boring dad. So, um, t- 
Tell me, tell me a bit about your parents. What did they do, or what what do they do? My parents are both, still working. My both parents are both teachers. They're retired. Okay. Um, they both taught for over thirty years in the public school system here in Regina. What subjects? My dad was taught everything, and then he eventually was a, was a high school art teacher. So the same mm. thing as my brother, and my oh, dad okay. was my teacher in high school. So my dad taught at my high school at Winston Knoll. Yes, mm-hmm. and it wasn't as awkward as you might think. My dad was very popular as a teacher. He was on the on the way out. He was retiring. He was very chill. He was the art teacher that everyone yeah, liked. Yeah. He was like the wise old guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of fun. And so that was cool. It could have been worse having your your dad. I mean, a dance as my dad would come around and and really aggravate me. And he would he would do the measurement. He'd between me up. If, oh, if you were uh, dancing yes. with a girl, he'd uh, son exactly back exactly. it up. Always suggesting like you know she talked to this girl. She's really nice. Oh, so oh so he would with that. he would set he would set it up for it, and then he would get in there he'd and say. To. And my younger brother Joel is a year younger, so he had to go through it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he's he was a teacher, and my mother was a teacher librarian. So okay. Um, yeah. another really popular teacher, you know, everyone loves yeah. a teacher librarian. So they had cool gigs and, um, yeah, they're retired now and they help out with my two little girls. So they're, they're quite busy. They have now soon to, they're soon to have six granddaughters. They'll, they have oh. three boys and they're going to have six. What do you girls. think the odds of that are? Probably low. I don't know. That's crazy. But the chances of this hunter name getting passed on are, are dwindling by yeah. the day. Yeah. Well, women, a lot of them now are not are not if if they marry they're not taking their husband's oh, name. I won't. Which, yeah, I I, I won't. So, uh, I won't look into the future with that. But okay, yeah, I think yeah. it's uh, yeah. There's not going to be a male heir. Let's say. Okay. Um, can we go back to the Luther stuff for a minute? Sure. So just um, a fun story. I I went to the fifth to the fiftieth Luther tournament. Yes. I, th- I think I was in eighth grade yeah. and my high school in Saskatoon, Aiden Bowman, um, I wasn't at Bowman at the time, but, but my sister was, and I loved basketball. I was nuts for it. So my mother and I drove to Regina for the weekend and, and, Bo- and Bowman was playing it. And it was, it was the coolest thing because they were in, in the old gym at the yes. time. And that was just the neatest thing I think I'd ever been to. Even better than Brit in Saskatoon, which take that Brit. Well, I'm I'm partial. I played in the Brit. I didn't play in the Brit. Sorry, I'll correction. I coached in the Brit, mm. and I've been to Brit, and I think yeah. it's a wonderful tournament. Yeah, I I think LIT. I'm partial to by. I'm definitely biased. I think it is a better tournament, and there's one simple reason. They play the normal rules. Brit games were always shorter, which I never felt like was a true Eight sort minutes. of yeah Eight basketball minutes. game, and I didn't love that. You could make an argument that Brit was attracting sometimes better teams. Yeah, they had a uh, a wider breadth of sort of teams they brought in, which was always uh, good. Well, and and it, and but I I do I always I always uh, ride for LIT. The cool thing now with LIT is they've expanded to girls and boys and made it even. And right. they use both gyms, yeah. so the kids do get a chance to play in the old gym. Um, you know, oh, I didn't know that it was yeah. that it was still there. Yes. I thought that they had shut it down. No, the new oh, the, okay. old, the old gym is still used. Okay, and it's still the poops are still up and everything. So, oh, cool. The, they'll use both the, the main games. The, the, like the the championships will be played in the new gym. The new gym's beautiful, but yeah. they'll yeah. Who um? What was the name of the announcer? The longtime announcer, Ed Rob. Ed is, Robinson is, is he with us? Ed Robinson's still? no longer with us. Oh. No longer with us. He actually funny story. He commentated or did the PA for my first ever high school game at Knoll Art. Coach at the time wanted to make a big deal because the school was brand new. 
Right. And he this was it. 25 years ago. Now. This was a long time ago. Uh, maybe not um, that long. Pretty close. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, no, but yeah, it actually was <laughs> pretty close. And, um, and Ed Robb was, was the announcer and that was a big deal at the time. I remember because everyone knew him from LIT and you only heard him once a year and here he was in the high school. He, game, so junior, he, he junior would game. just do LIT. Yeah. I think he was, hmm. um, I, I got to, I didn't get to know Ed, but I think later on when I was coaching there, you, you know, it was quite frail and, and old yeah. and it was really something to hear him still with the pipes, get mm-hmm. up there and do the mm-hmm. games and, uh, crawl up to like, you know, death defying into the little booth they had there, all yeah. the bleachers to get up there and sit there that. all day. So, yeah. um, yeah, lots of cool history of that tournament. It's it's just an unreal tournament, and, and Brit is too. Who um, I talked to Ryan Lear about this. I think I think you maybe knew knew him from back in the day playing yeah, well, play, yeah. playing basketball, but looked a lot different. A totally different. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Buzz, buzz cut and yeah. yeah. Um, I said to him on the on the podcast with him that one a few years back in Saskatoon, he he decided to shave his beard and cut his hair, and I saw him just like walking around Saskatoon <laughs> and I didn't recognize him. I said, so, so what's this like for you? And he said, yeah, you know, it's, it's nice. But then on the podcast, when I brought that up, he said, Oh, that doesn't sound like me. I, I like attention. So anyway, um, but what I asked him was who, who for the NBA, who's, who's the goat? There's, there's a lot of conversation about this and oh, I'm sure that, I'm sure that you I have think one. Lear would have said Jordan. What's that? Did Lear say Jordan? Or did he? I asked him either Michael. Did he say Win Butler or LeBron? <laughs> no, but but they're they're pals. Yeah, I know th- yeah. those guys. Follows so, Instagram, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say I will. It's tough. I think that if you were going to play a one-on-one game, mm-hmm. LeBron has a very good chance against Jordan just because he's so strong. Yeah. Uh, but MJ's. Killer instinct. Yeah, he was savage. It's, it's just ridiculous, and yeah. his competitiveness. Um, and I'm old enough, as you've mentioned a couple times already, to remember Jordan in his prime. Yeah. And I just always remember whenever he was playing, thinking it's over. Like if it was close, yeah, and he had the ball. Yeah. And that's different from Kobe, and that's different <laughs> from LeBron. Uh, with LeBron, I think he relied more on his teammates when he's won. Yeah. Uh, with the exception being, you know, the Cavs. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, Kyrie hit the shot, yep. but yep. that team he carried, and arguably the year before could have won Finals MVP when he when he didn't win and he was carrying them. Right. So it's a tough it's a tough thing. It's tough to compare eras, but I think it's definitely those two. And I wouldn't put anyone else really in that stratosphere right now. I think after that, you gotta you're kind of in tears. Like Magic's there because they went to so many finals. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like I'm not old enough to know. Wilt or Bill Russell, yeah. these guys, but I think basketball is so much different, and you well, have to basically take it from the '90s to now, where well, that game's more comparable. Well, and I and that's that's kind of where I land is is you know you need to you, you really can't compare the players because they they played in different eras. Um, I think it was it was on the Bill Simmons podcast a couple of weeks ago. They were they were talking about James Harden's you know recent recent run of of high point scoring, and they talked about how. I think they broke it down where Michael Jordan in the 90s shot like two threes per game and he had mostly two-point baskets. And then Kobe in the in the 2000s, he shot 10 threes a game and his percentage was, you know, whatever. And then James Harden now in this decade, you know, he shoots like 20 threes a game. And so it's, I mean, the game has just evolved so much and to 
how people score. And so I think it's impossible to say that Michael is better, yeah. better than LeBron or anyone else for that matter. And the time that he played, yeah, he was, he was amazing. The, uh, the correct answer is Steve Nash. Oh, yeah. Because we're talking about Canadian goats. He's definitely one of the all-time best players in the Hall of Fame, deservedly. Yeah. And I actually saw Steve Nash play when I was, I think, eight years old. My brother Drew played against him. He was playing for Team Sask. Steve Nash was on Team BC. They were players of the game, both of them. Oh, wow. Uh, fast forward like three years later, four years later, Steve Nash is getting drafted in the first round by the Phoenix Suns, and my mind was blown. Yeah. Because I saw this guy. Yeah. He was the same size as my brother. Yeah. He looked the same. Yeah. Skinny white guys. Mm-hmm. One's in the NBA. Mm-hmm. The other one's starring for the Cougs. Yeah. Not the same level, but at, you know, in that game, it was I was in Salmon Arm, BC, and I right. remember being in the gym. And there's Steve Nash, Steve Nash, Steve Nash. Yeah, my brother also played against Todd McCullough, who played for the 76ers, who's a seven footer from Winnipeg. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and to see two NBA guys as a little guy growing up playing basketball, mm-hmm. and you're like, one's from Winnipeg and one's from Victoria. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, and now basketball in Canada has grown, and it's because of Steve Nash, it's because of the Raptors and the Grizzlies, Vince Carter. Um, those are the reasons why we have all these tremendous players coming in. And it's so exciting to see guys from all over Canada make it into the NBA, playing college at a high level. The university league here is super high level. Um, that women's basketball is awesome. Mm-hmm. It, it, as you took a come full circle as a basketball fan and a basketball junkie, I just love seeing that. I love the next guy coming up yeah. in Saskatchewan. Despite our small population, we've produced a ton of high level talent women's and men's who've played NCAA, mm-hmm. U Sports, overseas. International, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pro pro in Canada, pro in the States. Uh, so yeah. it's it's a bit of a slept on sport here. I'm interested to see how the Rattlers mm-hmm. do and what kind of reception they get. Yeah. Um, but it'll be yeah, cool to see. Yeah, hopefully people go to the games. I think, I mean, there's a huge sports community. I think it's really smart to put them in Saskatoon, honestly, because of what the Rush did and you have, yeah. you know, the Riders here. And yeah. if you can kind of tap into some of the Husky Cougar players that are at the level that can play pro and get some local local talent, local flavor in there. And I know Greg Jockums will do that because he's yep. connected yep. and yep. he's a great coach. Um, it's going to be fun to see. I'm, I'm super excited. I hope the league's run well. I think that's more of an issue than whether the fans support it. I think that's, that's probably the number one thing. Mm-hmm. Let's take a, a break for a quick minute to talk about Krugo. You know, one of the things I, that I really find annoying is trying to book a trip with friends or with other people and having to use 10 different websites to book event tickets, accommodations, and a hotel, and plan everything else to, that has to do with that trip. Well, Krugo fixes all of that. Krugo, K-R-U-G-O, was founded in and operates out of Regina and helps people plan unforgettable travel experiences. Instead of using 10 different websites or maybe more to try to find the best price and the best tickets, you can plan and pay for your entire trip all in one easy-to-use app. I've used Krugo myself, went to New York in in December last year, and if I can be honest, it's a game-changer for trip planning. You can buy tickets to baseball games, basketball, concerts, theater productions, and much, much more, all on the Krugo app. Go to the App Store and download Krugo today. That's K-R-U-G-O. And put an end to 10-tab trip planning. 
All right, so we've we've probably bored people with with hoops. No, enough no here, way. So I got more, man. We want to talk about like the nineteen eighty five Denver Nuggets. Let's go. Okay. So uh, tell me tell me a bit about about your journey. So you you went to Winston Knoll, and then what did you do? Did did you go to the U of R, or did you go right into into journalism school, or what did you do? So I went to the U of R. I did uh, a degree, arts degree, in history and political science. I double majored in that, and. Mm. Um, and then I applied for the journalism school after that. I applied for political science to do my master's as well, and I kind of pick, kind of pick between the two. And I figured uh, I could keep going to school and not be a doctor and disappoint my parents even further, or mm. I could uh, get into journalism. It's always something I, I'd thought about. I'd, I'd um, so always so, wanted to do it. So sorry, it, at the U of R, there's a two-year it's a two-year program. So you either do your degree and apply, yeah, or you do two years of a pre. Sort of journalism course, we take a variety of classes mm. and then apply. So, sorry, you said that you that the choice was between going to grad school for masters polit- for political science, yeah. Okay, and you chose uh, J Journal- school, yeah, journalism. I always I figured I could always go back to school and do that if I wanted to. So, so tell me about the interest in in politics, though. So you were like my, you know my my thing about about undergraduate university, you know, studying political studies or science. Is that it's not, and especially working in government, you know, and you know, working in politics, y- you probably see this that there's there's not very much that you learn in a classroom about political studies, political science that actually happens in the actual practice of politics. It's more theory. It's more history. It's more yeah. It's more political history. It's more, and it, it can be depending on what you study. World politics, Canadian politics. I think a lot of that can be useful. Uh, if you are working in government because you have a frame of reference to something that happened historically, mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely useful. The reason why I went to those is because I, I, I can't do math and I don't do science. Yeah, no, neither. So that's also why I'm a journalist. So, um, which is tough when you're doing stories on the budgets and climate change. Don't tell my boss. Okay. But you're... I will, I will cut that part. Yeah, out for out me, no, fine, that's fine. Unedited. <laughs> For me, I think that most, the thing I wanted to do was, I wanted to, I, I was up a bit of history buff. I'm, I'm big on that. The two married yeah. well. The big, big mistake I made was I was doing them at the same time. So my, at the end of the, like my fourth year, I was writing like five papers, which was not great. Yeah. Probably not my writing, but, um, and then for journalism, I always have been really interested, uh, at a young age, my voice changed. So now I had this like just lovely. Like how, how young are we talking right now? Like grade seven or something. Okay. So, well, um, it's pretty good. It's about it's, normal. I it's think. pretty good though. For, the, for this, this is. Oh, for your particular voice, particular not, voice, not for any man's voice. No, no, no. Not okay. everyone has this, uh, yeah, has this weapon. Yeah. You have a very nice voice. Thank you. Okay. So I would say, uh, you know, in high school, I, I, people ask me to do announcements, to talk at pep rallies, to do different things like that, and speak. And right. I did a lot of announcements. You did the intercom announcements at the well, at no, the more like I would do tournaments or like pep rallies. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, come on, we need someone to talk. So I would get up there and do it. Okay. Um, and when I got into the lake later in high school, I was I maybe grade twelve. I was asked to like fill in for some Cougar games on PA. So I did that, mm. and I did that all through uh, university. Mitchell for, Blair does that now. He does. Scruffy yeah. the legend. So right. I did um, volleyball and basketball for my whole, almost my whole university public address. And then I did a bit of play-by-play too when I was asked for like local cable or whatever. Right. Uh, and I've always kind of kept that going. And a few people like say, oh, you got a great voice. You should do broadcasting. And that was always in the back of my head. Yeah. 
and I, I think, you know, it's once I got to know it better and once I got more serious about applying and, and talking to people that were in journalism, I had a few friends that had gone before and I was able to talk to you about what they were doing. It's such a cool job. Mm-hmm. Every day is different. There's yeah. no predictability. Yeah. I mean, I came today, it's minus a hundred outside. I came today prepared to be outside. Luckily, I don't have to go out as much as I used to about, you know, covering the cold weather. Yeah. Um, I could be somewhere in Saskatchewan tomorrow. I've had, a, you know, a few years ago, I was sent to New York for a story. And what story was that? That was the uh, MS liberation therapy. Oh, the yeah. government had signed on for that. Right. And we went and followed the first first patient from Saskatchewan yeah. to, to Albany, New York, myself and my right. cameraman, Mike Zartler, who still stills here and is a phenomenal guy. Um, but we did that and I, ever, I got to cover Mark McMorris's second X Games. I right. believe it was the year before the Olympics. So I went down there and... 20, 2013 or something? Or uh, the first one. So like 2009 maybe? Mark was in the 2010, 2010. games as well? Wow. Okay. Was, was he was just, just, just a little guy. Yeah. So he would have been like... because. Mm. Or I'm probably getting my years mixed up. But it, was, it, it was 13, maybe 2013. Yep. Um, so that was cool. And I was sent down by myself and just a few things, laptop, mic, yep. Yep. iPhone. So um, when you, when you went into journalism school, did you, did you kind of have in your head that, that you were going to go in, into the broadcasting TV side of it or like I'm not that familiar with with journalism school, but I'm assuming the first year you're in, you, yeah. you, you're kind of immersed in everything, like newspaper reporting and then and, and a bit of TV stuff, or or, or do you yeah. get funneled into the track right away? And so at U of R, uh, how it worked was everyone was there first semester, and you do get sort of a a wide range of experience over everything. A plethora. Yeah, you get introduced to radio, you get introduced to TV, you get mm-hmm. people coming in talking about it, you write write news stories, things like that. Then they throw half this class into to the wolves after Christmas. So I went out right away on my first internship. I went to the leader post mm-hmm. and I was there for four months or whatever it was. And then in the summertime, my second internship was with CTV in Regina. Oh, so yeah. I did TV VJing and they throw you in the deep end there too, where it's like, here's your camera, here's mm-hmm. your computer, a couple days of editing. What was the first, <laughs> what was the first on camera story that you did? Oh, well, it was probably, remember? it was garbage, whatever it was. Um, okay. That summer was crazy and it was mostly happening. My colleague uh, and student, uh, Norma Reed, who now works in Vancouver for CTV, Mm -hmm. uh, she was up in Saskatoon and that year there were the the Mountie killings, Dagenet Mountie killings, and the uh, forest fires were really bad that summer. Oh, yeah. So she was like all over the national news, driving all over the place, doing all this stuff. Regina, as is the, the customary... Uh, thing, lots of times is more chill during the summer mm-hmm. because we don't have a forest fire issue. Uh, government's not in. Not here at least. Not here, yeah. not in Regina, yeah. right? So if you're in the north, you're, there's there's a chance you're going to be up and covering those things. Uh, so I remember covering like the red paperclip story in Kipling. Oh, People yeah. remember that. Yeah. Uh, I did a lot of, you know, news around around the city, things like that. You know, the low-hanging stuff that the, that the new guy's going to get to do. Yeah. And I like both experiences. I have friends um, and people I that were mentors at both places that I that were great that are still close friends of mine. Uh, I can think of it: CTV, JC Garden, Chris Hodges, Dan mm-hmm. McIntosh, yeah. uh, at the Leader Post. Ian Hamilton, who's no longer there, was like yeah. a huge um, yeah, help to me. Yeah. Rob Vanstone, still yeah. a phenomenal guy that everyone knows. So, yeah. 
um, I'm forgetting people, Janet Pruden, Bar Pollock, Heather Polschuk, like just Bruce Dodstone, the leader post is phenomenal. Yeah. And um, I was lucky enough to be there. And then when I went back to school in the fall for my last year, Sheila Coles was one of my sessionals. Oh, really? And yeah, she was doing cool. a story, a class on interviewing, and she s- approached me and another student saying, you know, we need some help over Christmas. Would you come in and do some shifts? Come talk to our bosses. Here at CBC? Yes. So I did a couple yeah. of interviews, and I did radio here uh, over the Christmas break, and then I kind of just never left. I didn't have a full-time job. I was yeah. still going to school, but I would yeah. still moonlight here when I had a chance. And I basically since spring of 2007, and when I graduated, I've been here in some capacity doing everything from pulling cable on specials in all black, yeah. handing sheets uh, during the 2007 election to people out of out of the picture. That'd be cool. It was boring. Oh, okay. Well, it wasn't a main job, right? It wasn't. Exciting. No, I was I was talking more about the with the election at you know. I'll be involved with super cool. Being involved in covering being involved that was super cool. Maybe handing papers to and that, the actual on camera talent that was, was not that yeah. election. The the results froze. Our results at CBC froze, so everyone that was watching oh. our coverage didn't get updated numbers. So it'd be mm-hmm. like Green Party leading the SAS party, and people oh. were calling, freaking out, oh. what's going on? Yeah. And it, it turned out that there was, I think, a cable like was pl- out of the, out of the wall. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I <laughs> run the gamut, done tons of different jobs here. Mm-hmm. And when it started out, it was much more specialized, just like journalism school, where you do like radio, TV. Now, yeah, we do everything. Yeah. So there's no radio reporter. There's no TV reporter. The reporters do radio, TV, and web stories depending on the day and the assignment. Yeah. So you have days where you do all of that. Yes. You'll go out and shoot shoot something on the street covering whatever story. And then at on the you guys do a five o'clock news? Six. Six? Yeah. Okay. Six o'clock news, you'll be doing a, a call in from, you know, out there or or at the ledge from the rotunda in the ledge, right? We could be doing And then you'll be writing a web story on it. Yeah. So we we do try and balance it so that's not you know doing radio TV and web doing like the full meal deal every day or yeah. maybe it's a little version of this story and a bigger version for whatever platform you're doing yeah because it can get you know draining obviously if you're trying to yeah it's a lot make 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 it good for our, for the viewer or the listener or the reader mm-hmm. uh, and you're also being fair to yourself and your audience like I'm trying to learn the most I can about this subject in a given day I'm not an expert I don't yeah. pretend to be but people that read our stories, they expect us to be, you know, accurate, fair, yeah. having both sides. And that's, that's what we have to accomplish in an eight hour day. Right. When did you, uh, get the full time, uh, ledge press gallery spot for CBC? So a couple of years, year two now, a so, year. Yeah. It's, um, it'll be a year officially this spring. Right. Uh, Stephanie Langenager, who'd been d- done right. it for a ton yep. of years yep. and was amazing. She yeah. uh, had taken a, uh, like a, like a leave yeah. for a few months. So I was... Sabbatical. And I'd, I'd, I'd filled in for a couple of times, like for an yeah. extended period. And I'd always, when she was when she was doing the job, her and I, over the last couple of years, would take team certain stories where she'd do radio and the web story, I'd do the TV story or, you know, we'd, we'd trade off with right. some things. Or right. if there were two big stories, I'd do one, she'd do the other. Uh, and that's awesome to have someone to work with and someone that experience to bounce things off of. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this past spring, she replaced Sheila on the morning show. Yeah. And so her job came up and I applied for it and I've been doing it officially, I guess, for almost a year now. So what's that been like? A bit of a change getting into the legislative building mindset? It's different because it's a beat. 
And yeah. here we don't necessarily have beats. Back yeah. in the day, court reporter, police cops reporter, education reporter, yeah. egg reporter here. Now you have to be kind of a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. And at the ledge, the nice thing about it is, although you're doing a ton of different issues and you have to sort of understand sometimes difficult topics and tell the, tell your audience about them in a succinct and mm-hmm. easy to understand way, you do have a beat. And so the nice thing there has been about developing relationships and, you know, working in the building. Yeah. You get to see people, they get to know you. You're not just the guy who's popped in, you know, yeah, that's right. a lot of time. Yeah. There's, there's not a ton of turnover and, and well, I mean, I guess there is, but amongst the people that you would deal with mostly, I guess there's historically, there's not a lot of uh, quick turnover in, in those political jobs with like the comms directors or, you know, it's been, it's been interesting because we're actually like myself and a few other people in the press gallery now it's changing again, but I started almost the same time. Well, exactly the same time when the new government or the new, yeah. pre, the new premier started. Right. So, yeah. um, I was new, they were new. And it's almost the same thing with like Scott. when like when Scott Moe became premier. Yeah, because I, yeah. I covered it. I covered yeah. it. I, I was basically doing the job from the previous fall, and so I developed relationships with those with the people at, in 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 the premier with the premier and yeah. and the same thing with the opposition where mm-hmm. they had a, a new leader and they have new people. Yeah. And so there isn't this established like relationship that you're trying to build up. Now you're sort of all starting from the ground floor. Yeah. And that's been cool to, to start. Cause I think, um, at least for me, I like the fact that I don't have any of the sort of preconceived notions or biases or anything that going into like dealing with certain people. Mm-hmm. I'm giving everyone a clean slate. Yeah. Do you, um, there's a, I mean, there's always media coverage about other provinces, but, um, do you, do you get the sense working here that, in terms of how, I guess, other governments in other provinces like Alberta and Ontario, basically anywhere else, did it, it's always seemed to me that there's a less adversarial uh, relationship between government, whomever they may be, politicians and, and the local media. Like, like I, I mean, obviously there, there's times when it's intense, but like you look at the Ford government right now and it and it seems like from day one they've just been out to, you know in a fight with the media that they deal with on a day-to-day basis and you know of course the harper government they were they were criticized widely for how they how they worked with the media it seems like the like the trudeau like the trudeau government's been a little more yeah i can't really I speak to not like as the harpers or the trudeaus because i don't really deal with i never dealt with the yeah. conservative government and i don't don't really, except for when the prime minister comes, which is sure. more often than, than we have seen previous he, prime minister. He's, he's been here a lot, but I don't really deal with their people a lot. I think um, a lot of it's sort of up to to whoever's in, in power. Right. If you want an adversarial relationship, you can have one very easily. Yeah, It's, it's a yeah. choice. Yeah, uh, The media is not looking for a fight, at least in my experience. Um, if you give reporters a reason to be upset, you know, you're restricting access or you're obfuscating or you're purposely, you know, not putting ministers up mm. um, or you're being, you're being disingenuous or you're not being factual about things, then that's very, that can go toxic very quickly. Right. Um, we've been, it's been good in Saskatchewan in my experience because 
there is a small group of reporters that are dedicated to this sort of beat. Yeah. And so you really only have to try and keep a few people happy. Mm. But at the same point, if you if you were to upset a few people, then that would could turn quickly too, right? So um, it would ripple to the others because there's only there's not that many of you guys, basically. And I think the media, like like I said, I worked at the Leader Post, I worked at CTV, I worked here for a long time. Everyone in those places is sort of cycled to other places, right? So I don't have an adversarial relationship with Global or CJ. Me, I, I have friends at all those stations. Um, you know, the paper. Uh, some of my good friends are reporters at other places or have worked for those places. So that you don't get that sort of competitiveness. There's competitiveness, but you don't get that sort of mm. anger. You know, the reporters all go for beers together, and yeah, I can text anyone from any station that I'm friends with and yeah, you know, it's not an issue. So th- that's the benefit of being in a small place where you have those relationships built up. There's people that are close with you and you've worked with closely, or even if they're at a different station, they're helping you out on something. Yeah. Hey, you know, so that, that's, that's a cool thing. What, um, one thing I want to know when you're, when you're standing in a, in a scrum could be with anyone. What, what do you appreciate in terms of like when you're when you're asking questions and whoever is in the scrum, however they respond, what do you appreciate and what pisses you off about how people operate in terms of that? Are you talking about who we're interviewing or just yeah. The, yeah. the everyone in there? No, the person you're interviewing. I, I, I don't think I mean I wouldn't I think pissed off's too strong. I, okay. I don't I don't think I've ever really been I can't yeah, I don't, nothing I, stands out to me. But I would say um, I think it would take a lot to get you really, oh, I'm super, really angry. Oh, I'm super chill. Yeah. Uh, it happens. I would say if, if, if we're asking fair questions, which I think we do, mm-hmm. then I've always thought that you're an elected official. Your, your job is to, and part of your, it's part of the difficulty of your job, but it is your job and you signed up for it, is to stand there and ask, answer the questions. Yeah. And as long as that's happening, I think there shouldn't be an issue. Sometimes it's going to get uncomfortable. Sometimes someone's going to ask something that maybe uh, is a bit combative, mm. but there also sometimes be answers that are combative. And I think that's the, the, the chances of the, 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 how often that happens here is few and far between. It's not the U S it's not mm-hmm. um, sometimes what we see, what can be seen in Ottawa or other places. It is fair. And that's something I always try and do is, I don't want to, I'm not into gotcha. I'm not trying to, to lead you somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but you have to be listening to, and I know what they're doing. <laughs> they're only going to give me so much. And sometimes that's all you're going to get. A lot of people in the media though would, would maybe not have this, the same perspective that you do in terms of that, where, you know, even, even though they know that, well, this politician, whoever it is, they're going to give the answer that they're going to give. Some, you know, push and push and push. And no matter what the person who's answering the questions in the scrum, they're just going to give the answer that they're going to give because that's the answer that they're going to give. And, you know, I think, you know, you've seen this, of course, that some some reporters just don't don't have that same, I guess, um, uh, I mean, I would, I would do it too. It's, it's a different mm-hmm. approach. Everyone has a different approach. Everyone has a different right. style. You go to a scrum for a week, you'll see everyone has a different way they ask questions. Yeah. For me, it's about what is that person asking? 
and where are they trying to go with it? Mm. If they're if they're trying to get somewhere, and that answer or whatever they're trying to lead to is going to help the public understand a story, or help hold someone accountable, then I think it's totally fine. The the, the minister being uncomfortable, I don't care about that. Yeah, and you mm. you can't. Sure. If you get uncomfortable asking someone a question, you're done. Yeah. Forget it. You shouldn't be doing it. Right. Um, there are going to be those moments where it's going to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you disrespect that person or you don't like that person mm-hmm. or you think they're lying. It just means that what they're giving you and what they're saying, whatever it is, is not sufficient for what you're trying to get. Right. And sometimes that is a stalemate. Yeah. And other times you get, you do, you do get an answer. And I think a lot of times you may get something out of someone that is honest because not that they're being dishonest, but maybe they're trying not to tell you a certain thing Mm -hmm. or a certain aspect or give an opinion. And everyone's an adult. You know, I, I'm sure there's lots of ministers that, or people that don't want to come out and talk to the media, but that's part of the game. Yeah, it is. Let's take a minute to talk about Zesty Kits. By now, you've probably seen or heard of meal kit companies like HelloFresh and Chef's Plate and Good Food Canada. Well, Saskatchewan now has its own locally sourced meal kit service. I'm pretty busy. I'm sure other people listening to this are as well. But with our busy lifestyle, it's hard to find the time to plan and shop for meals. Well, Zesty Kits makes cooking easy by delivering all the pre-measured ingredients you need to easily prepare delicious meals at home. Meals provided by Zesty Kits follow the new Canadian food guide recommendations to make eating healthy a breeze. And Zesty Kits also promotes local Saskatchewan farmers and producers in their meals. Try Zesty Kits now to get a free cookie kit. I made these cookies just this last weekend. They're very good. And also get $20 off your first week of subscription when you use the promo code KITS306 at www.zestykits.com. That's promo code KITS306 when you visit www.zestykits.com. Just a note, Zesty Kits currently delivers to Regina, Pilot Butte, Emerald Park, and White City, and wait lists are currently available on their website for Saskatoon and Moose Jaw. Do you think people in the media spend too much time on Twitter? Part of our job is Twitter. So yeah. I think it but depends on who you are. And I, I think for me... I have a few rules. Let me Yeah, okay. Let me just add on to that though. So so I get the breaking stories part of part of your job, right? Um, you know, Brad Wall steps down and or he announces he's stepping down in August 2017. Um, sure, twi- Twitter's a great place for you to go and tweet that out and however many characters Brad Wall or breaking Brad Brad Wall has announced he'll be retiring. But one of and and that's fine. What about the lingering on the on there and the, the you know the echo chamber talking amongst people that are 
all doing the same thing and I guess not just really getting into the world of, of hanging out on Twitter where let's be honest, everyone who's, you know, quote unquote normal, you know, you're not political, you're not in the media, uh, has no interest in being on there. Um, I think, and I'm, and I'm and just to clarify, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that you do this. No, that's fine. I don't care. But it, it does seem like there's a lot of, it's a pretty bad echo chamber. And like the way that I've always thought about it is when I worked at the ledge, we'd have some tough days, right? You know, dealing with whatever issue was going on. And then on the weekend, uh, I'd go out door knocking. And you realize that nobody even knows or cares what, you know, what the hell we were worried about in the ledge, you know, that kind of dome fever type thing. I think if I can unpack this a bit. Yeah, please unpack. I would say that Twitter is for a certain segment of people. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about the, the SK Polydome, I then mean, there don't, are... Don't go on there. There's, a, there's, there's like such a small number of people in the grand scheme of things that are on that. Yeah. Right? So that's going to be the same sort of people getting in similar arguments... Mm-hmm. And that's what the platform does. That's the that's that's what it's made for. I agree with you that I will get involved in. I don't get involved in debates on Twitter. I don't get involved in yeah. people at all. That's yeah. one of my one of my rules. But I also don't go looking for it. But mm-hmm. I think if you want Twitter to be an information hub, then it's amazing. Sure. Because, yeah. for example, talking about the NBA, yeah. Yeah, you bet. NBA Twitter is amazing. Yeah. So I will never, yeah. I think Twitter has tons of problems and it's it, mm-hmm. it can be really toxic and bad. But it's also something that if you don't like it, turn it off. Right. Don't use it. Yeah. Log off. Don't get into debate yeah. with somebody. If you think that someone's annoying you, mute them. Yeah. Block them. Yeah. There are, there are things for people that don't want to get dragged into things, but for me in disseminating information for my job, it's a good tool. Right. People that care about politics in Saskatchewan, I find are on Twitter. Uh, people that follow politics very closely and are our listeners or our viewers or follow the ledge will be on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They may have a fake account. They may only go to it for reading and never ever... Uh, tweet mm-hmm. just to keep it up to date with what's going on. Uh, a part of my job description is tweeting yeah. certain things. Yeah. I'm not on there all the time. I'm not going to tweet every government announcement. I'm not going to tweet everything Scott Moe says. I'm not going to tweet everything Ryan Miley says. There's not enough time in the day. I don't, I, it's not, that's not my job. Yeah. My job is to, you know, help share our stories help the audience see stuff we have that's not just political or rela- related, but kind of show off what we do here because mm-hmm. we do great journalism. Uh, part of this is to show my personality in some cases, yeah. things I'm interested in. Retweeting basketball Retweeting stuff. basketball stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I get a lot of followed for that. <laughs> but I think for the people that say Twitter is toxic, don't go on it. They're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. But just don't go on it then. Right. Um, my, my life for the last couple of months... I've gone on a couple times and when I have, it's, 
I've and I've been aware of it. My anxiety levels have just gone. But I would say, like, the roof. what are you searching? Are you searching for something? Are you are you seeing what your followers I'm, write? I'm searching for the breaking news, but in amongst that, because I you know because I follow lots and you know I have tweet decks so yeah. you know I've got yeah. all, I had all the columns set up that I see all the you know Sask Media people yeah. tweeting about whatever and talking amongst themselves, and I go, oh yeah. See, I don't think, I don't think the SAS, the, the SAS media people in the media are doing anything controversial or no or questionable on Twitter. So, if 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 it's the reaction to those stories or the deb- the kind of the, the back and forth that comes from that, then yeah. I invite you to a Facebook comment section. I invite you uh, to, the, yeah. to the CBC CBC comment section, Globe and Mail, National <laughs> Post. Yeah, these things are, I mean. Yeah, none of that's them are, true. None of them are civilized. Yeah. You, yeah. I think you like Twitter because you like it the way I like it, which is to get information mm-hmm. and to, to share stories, to k- discover something cool. But not to see the BS. But the BS is different to everyone. Yeah, Some people like true. the BS. Some, what, what's BS to you may not be BS to me or someone else. Yeah. And I think coming, if you, like for me, the great thing is like I'm nonpartisan. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. So I don't ever get worked up about Oh, hey, this side said this about this side. Oh, this person hates what the government did. Oh, hey, this person hates what the NDP did, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or the liberals. Like that, none of that affects me. Yeah. So for someone who is partisan, I can see very quickly it getting yeah, it getting true. more toxic to them because it's like, wow, they're always attacking me or my party or my my guy, or whatever. Yeah. Uh that And that's on both sides too. It's not it's not the government. I I mean so, someone who, who used to do social media for a political party and yeah. and in the premier's office, I know that the guys on the other side get that get that too, and and I know how I felt when people attacked the premier or you know the party that I work you know that I worked for, and I saw the shit that people said about the NDP, and if anything, it sucks. If anything, Twitter and Facebook give people, and I think that's one of the things that people are like, oh, it's so toxic, oh, it's so bad, but they're also getting like unfiltered thoughts of people, yeah. which in the past you wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. So if those people are saying things that are questionable or saying things that are, you know, over the line, then you know it. Yeah. Which is a great thing about Facebook, unfollow. Oh, yeah. that person said something, I don't agree with their views or I don't like what they're yeah. saying or they're scaring me, boom, later. Yeah. Like there's an opt out of all these things. Right. For me, I can't opt out of Twitter. You got to do it. But I can use it. Sorry, that was a big body. Cut that out. Yeah, my, I can. It broke my ears. Sorry. <laughs> I can. I can choose what I see, and I can turn it off if I want. Yeah. I don't take it too seriously. I don't tweet about, you know, religion. I don't tweet yeah. about anything that's super questionable. I stay out of the political stuff. I think the tr- the tricky one now is like sharing stories from the U.S. about Trump, mm. where if you're sharing the news from different news organizations, yeah, you could be like, oh, you're always tweeting about Trump. It's like, well, that's... But there's there's some genuinely amazing and just incredible news stories about him, regardless of you what, you, of what you, you think. And it's, I think, it's, yeah, I think it's, oh, you're saying evolution. There's an evolution now with Twitter is that, and Facebook and everything else, social media, Instagram, where people are using it to spread information way more now than they did say eight years ago or four years ago. Mm-hmm. So you are going to have this and there's this constant need to update. There's this constant need to get the next scoop. And so that's never going away. Yeah. I just can't see it. Mm. Well, 
It'll be we're addicted to our phones. My phone's been put down. Your phone's been put down, and we've been very disciplined here. Yeah, it's great. Uh, okay, la- last main topic. Uh, you and I both love podcasts. We're, yes. we're doing one right now, and you started one. This is recording? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Um, you started your podcast for CBC last just about a year ago, right? Yep. Um, I think it was in the spring session last year. So you've done, you did one season last spring where you talked to the, to politicians. And then this last fall, you did a, did a media-themed season where, where you talked to reporters here. And then you guys started putting your um, Friday morning show political panels yes. segment on there. So tell me tell me a bit about that experience. Um, I, I think you, you told me that that the reaction was maybe a little better to the one where you talked talk to the reporters than to the, to the politicians, which honestly surprised me because I, I thought the conversations you, you had with, with them last spring was genuine and people just talked about non-political stuff. And I, I kind of thought that people would have liked that. Thanks. Yeah, I think there's... Couple, and it's a great podcast, by the way. There's a, on the ledge. Download it. Apple, Apple yeah. Podcasts, wherever you get all your L-E-D-G-E. podcasts. L-E-D-G-E. That's right. Yeah. Because leg on the leg doesn't sound good. Everyone no. says leg, ledge, but um, yeah. I, the, I think there's a couple reasons why people maybe responded to the media ones a little different. One is that we just had done it longer, so it was sort of established, so then people were expecting it. Right. So they knew what yeah. they were getting. It's always hard to launch something and say, hey, this is good, listen to it. The second hey, one... Hey, man, yeah, I know. Media people are great at at publicizing themselves. Right. So they have a Twitter account. They have a Twitter account. They have followers. They have people that know them. Right. So if you pick people that are interesting, like Connie Walker, Vashi, yeah. Um, yeah. Jeet here that have a following and they send it out to their followers, you're going to get more of a A lot of followers those, those ones have. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I, to, to say, say on the podcast, what I wanted to do, I love podcasts, so I wanted to have conversations like we're having. Mm-hmm. With politicians in particular, I didn't want it to be about their policies, anything partisan, because I think that would turn off half the audience or a quarter yeah. of the audience, depending on who you're talking yeah. to. Yeah. So that was, I wanted you to listen, say, oh, here's my interview with the finance minister. Here's what she's about. And, and that, one, that one was crazy because I, I think that that one went out right before the bus crash. It was the right day, it was the the day of the crash. Humble crash, yeah. It was the day of? It was the Friday? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was the, it was of course the, the weekend before the budget and yeah, Don Harbaugh yeah. was the MLA for Humboldt. So, um, but uh, talking to po- politicians, like, as you know, they're not people. <laughs> yeah. It's shocking to everyone else, right? <laughs> like you and I are people. <laughs> they have, you know, history and they have interests and they have sense of humor, most of them. And so I wanted to bring that a little bit and get people behind the scenes of, okay, this is this person, this is what they're about. Uh, I, I didn't want to interview all 60 no, MLAs because you're not going to have 60 good interviews. Yeah. And the odds are really poor. So I tried to do a few, you know, 10 or so, get some good ones. And then with the media, same thing. Uh, just because of where the Christmas break hits and, and the session's off, we're kind of resetting. We're going to still do it, but it helps that every Friday people get the ledge chat with Murray and myself. Yeah. And we're going to be doing morning hits with the Sastoon Morning as well for their morning show on Fridays. Okay. Before, so for the Saskatoon uh, morning audience, they'll get they'll get a chat with Murray. That'll be a little different than the, the province wide and the Regina one. I see. Uh, but we'll put the the, the province wide one that you hear with Stephanie Langenegger. You'll we'll put that on the mm. podcast every Friday. And a response is good. I think uh, from people inside the building, they say, oh, "I don't have to seek this out anymore. I can just listen to it on the podcast." And honestly, that, when I worked there, I I know that 
Like we had to wait for the for the transcript, <laughs> you know, the the printed tra- transcript transcript to hear what Murray and well, I guess when I was there, Murray and Sheila and I think you were you maybe Stephanie, went on, yeah, yeah, it's Stephanie. So yeah, no, that that is great. Was it was it hard to get your your bosses here to to get that project going? No, or no, yeah, no. I mean, because because CB, CBC overall has really moved towards doing original podcasts. Right? Yeah, and there's there's some phenomenal podcasts from CBC. Yeah, uh, and it was just a natural sort of progression. Front burner is is great. Yeah. There's uh, someone knows something is my favorite, yeah. and that's yeah. that's very good. Finding Cleo, the Connie right. Walker one, as I yeah. mentioned, you know, power and politics. There's there's lots of good ones depending on what your interests are. I would say uh, David Hutton, who's who's the, the yep. managing editor here. He he was really he's pro podcast, he's a big podcast guy too, and so he was very easy to convince. It was right. about having an idea, yeah. and then with CBC, there's sort of two layers to getting a podcast off the ground. One is, is it going to be a local podcast or is it going to be a national podcast? Mm-hmm. If you're doing something like Finding Clio or yeah. some of the other That's ones, a national thing. you need, you get a budget, you have crew, you have yeah. planning, research, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, with us, it's easy. It was me and a recorder, <laughs> not yeah. to select yeah. what you're doing. And hey, this is what I want to do. Here's a pitch. Here's what we're going to run it. And then this past fall, Kareen Larson, who's a former producer of The Morning Show, here and is in charge of some of the current affairs stuff here. She was kind of helping me out. So helping focus it, helping with the writing, just coming up with different ideas. So in the future, you know, I'd like to do more podcasts and I think uh, it's it's a medium that's just growing and I always have my earbuds in. And oh, I know. I'm, I'm ridiculous for it, but... So are you guys... So you said you're you're resetting. Are, are, are you not coming back with... No, no, we'll do something. It's just sort okay. of what the what the focus will be. You mentioned yeah. there's, there's politicians and media. If we want to extend and talk mm-hmm. to more smart media people or politicians or just do something completely, diff- completely different with the same, under the same banner. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd like to talk about break down the bachelor uh, and also talk about the NBA playoffs yeah. with people. That would be great. That's really where my, you my, love the bachelor. That's where my head is at. Um, my, my, my interest in the bachelor is, you know, quite a few years ago, my wife and I started watching it and it's one of those things where stereotypically, you know, you're like, oh, this is dumb, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was never that stereotypical guy who is not into it. I was always like, I'm here for this. This is this is petty. This, the drama's manipulated. It's it's manufactured. Yeah. Who cares about what happens with these people? I'm in it for the production value, for the behind the scenes. What are they getting? What are these producers getting these people to do? And just the spectacle of it. And so people people go nuts for it. It's massive. It's crazy. Now. And there's a quite a few people I know and friends of mine who are watching it and they start off watching it, you know, maybe they're told to watch it or they're they're hanging out with their wife, they're watching yep. it. Or even I know females who were like like me, who their guy wanted to watch it. Oh. So okay. they got roped into it. And they're like, oh, I don't watch the show. But it is if you like Big Brother, Survivor, any yeah. of this, any of the reality TV garbage, it's right up there. But you do live Instagramming with Instagram stories, and they're so funny. And honestly, I can't tell if you are enjoying it or you're just <laughs> you're just you know. It's a bit of both. It's a bit know. of both. I think mm. I I was doing it for a while, and then one year or one season, I was like, ah, I'm not into it. And then I had a few people message me, and they're like, you got to keep doing it. It's so funny. <laughs> so you know, Monday nights, I yeah, I make myself a coffee, and I get my Instagram going, I get the gifts going. You get mentally prepared. Be mentally prepared. 
I haven't recorded, so I never watch it live because that's oh. – can't watch it live. I mean, no one has time for that. Yeah. So I, I tape it, watch it like an hour later so I can rip through the commercials, rip through the boring parts, mm-hmm. rip through some of the interviews, pick out some of the silliness that's happening. Oh, yeah. Send it out to my friends and and hilarity ensues. Yeah. But it's just – it's it's – it's it's garbage. It's schlocky TV, but I think, and I've said this to a lot of people, depending on what your job is, and it can be for anyone, it's an escape. Yeah. So the NBA for me is an escape. The Bachelor, things like that, are an escape. You know, I'm I'm that's I'm, interesting. I have a family, so I'm able to like turn my job off when I go home. Yeah. I I think that's really healthy for people. Is it is is that hard for people who work in media these days? Like I particularly think with, with, with Twitter, as we, as we talked about. For sure. You can, like you can very easily be connected every minute yeah. if you want. My discipline is pretty good. Um, I only have, I only have uh, notifications on on Twitter for, I think, four accounts. And who are they? The Premier. Mm-hmm. Leader of the Opposition. Yeah. Adrian Wojnarowski. Yeah. Who is the NBA insider of all NBA the insiders. The Wojnarowski. Yeah. And his, his former... Shams. Shams. Yeah. Those are the only people that I have notica- notifications on for. Well, that, and that shows you. You know what? Those are probably the best ones. That's have. all I need. Honestly, yeah. that's all I need. So apologies to everyone else there. They can tweet me at a hitty if they think CBC, if they think I'm missing yeah. out on some people. But what's the deal with that nickname? Give me the, give me the scoop. Adam, you know, A-H obviously, but w- w- where, so, did, where did hitty come from? We, we broke this down earlier that my brothers and I were always getting confused. And so yeah. Drew, Joel, and Adam, four-letter names, we all are dark-haired guys, skinny, you, skinny guys. You all look the same. We look very similar. Yeah. Uh, different, differing levels of height and handsome. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm the tallest. Take that, guys. But I think my brother just, a few, you know, quite a few years ago, it was like, you know, I think Puff Daddy had changed his name to P. Diddy. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you're a hitty. So then it turned into <laughs> like hitty. So I was hitty to a lot. Of, I'm a hitty to a lot of people. And then, and it is a nickname I get like all the time. And I'll even get... People that only know me as that. And it's funny because they're like, oh, you should have a professional like Twitter account. You're with CBC, but I have a check mark, whatever. Big deal. Uh, my One of my former bosses here. Are you verified on Twitter? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, my former bosses here said I was going to change my name to like Adam Hunter CBC. Yeah. Because they wanted a CBC on the end. He's like, don't take AAD off that. Do not do it. Yeah, that nobody else has that name. Not even no. close. So I should have just kept cool. AAD and kept the CBC off of it. That's the mistake I made looking back. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's my it's my name for most things, and you can find me on the socials that way. Do you want to Twitter? You're kind of protected on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram's only free. I mean, you yeah. gotta you gotta come at me with a with a request. I'll yeah. I, I go through those. Dale's Dale's recently been been, been accepted, so <laughs> yes. he's in the circle. Yeah. Trust. Um, Get to see those bachelor stories. It's mostly bachelor snaps and my kids. Yeah. Um, so I'm a hitty CBC. And, you know, I think if I could give one plug on the ledge podcast and yeah. I would say also, where can people listen to that? Uh, find it where we get podcasts. Yeah. I think we're everywhere. CBC page and uh, Apple yeah. and it's every Friday right now and it'll be oh, hopefully Wednesday, Friday. And give a rating if you like it. Give a rating, give a review. Ta- tell me what, tell me I say, um, or sort of too much. Well, that's one of the couple of my takes. Yeah, we all people do catch that. that. We all do that. I'll say at the end and uh, go Celtics. Mm. And I think um, are they going to win? Are they are they even going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? Do you think uh, they're keeping their powder dry for Anthony Davis? So Anthony mm. Davis didn't get traded at the trading deadline, which is good for the Celtics because they can offer a ton for him in the summer. I'm right. 
Good for the Raptors too, to be honest. They can also make an offer. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going there. I, I think this, for the Celtics, it's going to be all about harmony and it'll be about who they get in the playoffs. The second round of the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference is going to be an absolute slugfest. Yeah. Milwaukee's loaded. Philly's loaded. Toronto's loaded. Boston's loaded. Good. Well, thanks for thanks very much for doing this, man. It was great. Thanks, Dale. All the best best of luck with the podcast, and uh, I look forward to listening back and criticizing myself. Yeah, cool. Thanks, man. That's it for this episode of the Talking Three Hundred Six Podcast. Thanks very much to our friends at Flat Clothing. If you want to get ten percent off your next order of a bunny hug or a T-shirt from Flat Clothing. Enter code TALKING306 when you check out. That's at www.flatclothing.ca. Thanks very much, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next time.